1: Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle.
0: We're in the middle of this series uh, that's called Chasing Carrots. And uh, what it's about is it's about the pursuit of more. The pursuit of wanting just a little bit more, just like you do with an animal. You lead them around by having a carrot in front of them that never get. Uh, until they do what you want them to do. And this is kind of the way we treat society. This is the carrots. You name it, whatever you're pursuing that's more, this is your carrot. If it's more money for a bigger house or a newer car, if it's more uh, investments, more stock in the bank, uh, more savings account, maybe it's more clothes, more jewelry, more shoes, you name it, put your more on the carrot, and that's the carrot we're talking about, the pursuit of. Of more And so we're going to be learning more and more about that over the next couple of weeks. That usually stays there pretty good. Uh, we, we want to just kind of go deeper into this. and uh, there's a story of three clergymen who actually went together in on a lottery ticket, and uh, they won. Uh, a Baptist preacher, a, uh, a rabbi, and a priest went in together on a lottery ticket, and they won a million dollars. A million dollars to be split up between the three of them. And so one day they had this great debate about who, what they were going to do. How were they going to split up this money that they had? And what were they going to give to God? And what were they going to keep for themselves? So the Baptist minister steps up first. He says, I got an idea. We'll draw a circle on the ground, and we'll throw the money in the air. And whatever lands inside the circle is ours what lever lands outside the circle is all God's. And uh, the priest said, you know, that's a good idea, but I got a better one. Let's do this. Let's say it's kind of windy today. Let's say whatever lands in the circle is God's. Whatever lands outside the circle is ours. So he's got a little better odds. He's going for a little better odds there. Uh, the rabbi says, I got one better than all of you guys because I know the man personally because I'm a rabbi. I'm, of, I'm right connected. He said, "Here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw the money in the air. Whatever stays up in the air, God gets to keep whatever comes down is ours." But don't bump. don't bump. Some of you will get that in a little bit, I guess. <laughs> we're talking about carrots chasing carrots and, and trying to discover what we're going to do with the constant and the endless pursuit of more. And so to start us off today, I came up with this illustrated uh, idea that I had about, about uh, a few years ago, several years ago, it's been many years ago, I, uh, because I'm rich and I have lots of money, I want to take my daughter to spoil her for her birthday. And so Fun City was open and I, so I grabbed Lily and I said, Lily, get two of your friends and we're going to, Tyler, we're going to go up, we're going to stay the night at Fun City because you get the pool, remember the pool, you get the pool the next day and so we went up and man, we we were living the high life, man, staying in a hotel, swimming in the pool and so whenever we got done with all the fun festivities, I told Lily and and Tyler, I said, all right guys, we're gonna let you go play in the arcade for a little bit, okay? So I gave them all five dollars and I said, now, don't bother me for two hours until it's all gone. Uh. Yeah, you've all been there, right, five dollars, don't go very far. And so, like three seconds later, it felt like they came back and they were already spent their money. It was already gone. I was like, you just blew all your money, guys? What did you, you know? What did on? They said, yeah, Dad, we blew all the money, but we we got these tickets. <laughs> you remember these tickets? In the old days, this is the old days, man. Tickets. And they're like, Dad, these tickets will open up wonderful treasures. Like you can never imagine in your life that if we get enough of these tickets, we could buy so much good stuff. And I'm like, well, I like a deal. So I said, well, let's go get more tickets because I'm rich. I said, let's get some more tickets. So Michelle got got money. Tyler got money. Lily got money. We're on. We're, we're throwing the balls on this ski, ski shoot, and they're going up there. Bells are ringing. Lily's winning. Tyler's winning. It's a wonderful day. Michelle's making bells go off, which is amazing in, her, in itself. She made bells go off. Uh, <laughs> bells are going off. Tickets are spitting out. I mean, they're all over the floor. They're everywhere. Tickets everywhere. We're slapping high fives. I mean, it's a great day. Tickets for everyone. And like we got done, and we had like one million tickets, it felt like, like a lot of tickets, like all these amazing tickets. And we're like, let's go cash them in, guys. We might get the trip to Disney with all these tickets we have here. Look at this, amazing tickets. And so we went to the counter, and they counted up all these tickets, and they put them all out there. And they said, okay, this is the amount of tickets you have. Now pick what you want. What I got? A chalkboard. With, a, with an eraser. Oh, yeah, they gave me chalk and eraser. And I wrote on there what I felt like after I got done. Sucker. <laughs> 75 bucks, it only cost me for that chalkboard right there. That's a $75 chalkboard. But that story does illustrate kind of what I want to talk with you about today. I want to talk with you about um, Tickets. Tickets. We all get tickets in life. We get things in the form of cash. Tickets that that make lots of promises about what we could do with the tickets. Oh man, if I just had a few more tickets, I could do more. I could get more and I could go more and I can do more. Because why? Tickets make a great boast about what they can do, but yet, I find it so true that in so many lives, this has been the result of sadness and destruction. Because why? Tickets promised a happier life. Tickets promised, well, if you just had a few more, you could get that car and, my golly, you can take 20 years to pay that car off. It's okay. You have plenty of tickets. You want that bigger house? Just take a few more tickets. Just get a few more tickets and you can buy that house. See? Today, I want to talk with you about last week. We learned a valuable lesson about what riches do. And I gave you some truths. I gave you two facts last week. If you missed it, go online. Listen, here's the two facts I wanted to tell you today. Uh, I told you last week. I said this I said, number one, the truth is you're rich. And that is what? That is good news. But I also said, that's what? Bad news. See, the fact is, you're rich. The good news is, you're rich. The bad news is, you're rich. And the reason why is because the good news is, you have, can do great things for God, and you do great things for your family because you have been given a little bit more than someone else. And I said last week, if you make $30,000, you make $30,000 combined household income, you're in the top 4% of wage earners around the world. $30,000, top 4%. If you make $45,000 a year, $45,000 a year or $50,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world, $50,000. And some of you sit out there today and you say, that's not rich. I make $50,000 a year and I don't think I'm rich. And the reason is, is because the reason why we don't think we're rich is because we consume everything we have. And because we consume everything we have, we don't feel rich. And if we don't feel rich, we don't act rich. And if we don't act rich, we think we're not rich. So the good news is you're rich because you get to enjoy it and you get to do great things. The bad news is you're, is you're rich. Because, see, riches are deceitful. They make lots of promises, but they don't always come through. And I told you last week, I said this. I said the problem with being rich is this. It makes us harder to depend on God. It distracts us from our true priorities of what God's called us to do. And the last thing is, because you're rich, you have a greater responsibility to do things with the riches God has given you. See, understand this today. Here's our point today. Wealth is deceitful. It lies to us. The tickets lie because the tickets tell me if I just had more, I'd be happier if I just had more, I'd be stable. If I just had more, I'd be secure. Just more, tickets lie, and they say, just a little bit more, and you'll find peace. And here's what, Timoth- here's what Paul said to Timothy. Paul said to Timothy, he's going to talk to Timothy. He's going to say, listen, you're going to have rich people in your churches and in your synagogues, and when they come in, here's what you need to instruct them with. And, 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 and I said this last week, when you read this today, some of you are going to disclaim, and you're going to say, well, that's not me because I'm not rich. But we're going not going to look on our own personal riches. We're going to look at a global richness. And the fact is, we are rich because we live in the wealthiest, richest country on the planet. Can someone say, thank you, Jesus? Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet with me this morning as we read God's word. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, uh, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Listen, command those who are rich in this present world not to be what? Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in their wealth, which is what? So uncertain. We see that every day in the stock market. We see that every day with the dollar, every day uncertainty. But put their hope in God who what? Richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, he provides everything we need. Why? For our enjoyment. We get to enjoy it. God provides riches to us, and he allows us to use it and enjoy a lot of it. But he also has something else he wants us to do with it. And that's what we're going to talk about is how wealth is deceitful. Bow your heads to me today. Father, teach us from your word today. Help us to grow deeper with your understanding of how rich we really are. God, these are, these are uh, subject matters that, God, the world distorts God, I pray let your word make clearly how the riches of this world are to be used for our enjoyment, however, God, also to help others out in this world. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. That scripture, if you would put that verse back up there, it says, command those who are rich in this present world says, command those who are rich in this present world, uh, and whenever we read that, we think, well, they're not talking to me because I don't feel rich. Remember last week I said, rich is a, a moving target. Uh, what you thought was rich when you were 21 years old, if you thought at 21, you're like, If I ever make $25,000 a year, I'd be a wealthy person. I could do a lot of good and a lot, I could use that a lot of good money with $25,000. Well, you hit 21 or you hit 25 and you start making $30,000. You have a kid or two around and $30,000, you're like, okay, well, $30,000 is not that much. But if I can make $50,000, when I make $50,000, then I've arrived and I can really do a lot of things. Because wealth is a moving target. You can't really ever, you never wake up one day. There's nobody in here who wakes up one day and says, I'm rich. I woke up today and I'm wealthy. Now, if you win the lottery, I get it. If you win the lottery, yeah, you can wake up and say you're wealthy. Uh, and that kind of stuff. But no, normally in life, every day in, day out, you don't wake up one day and just say you're rich. Some of you make more than 50000 as a combined household income. Some of you make closer to seventy. Uh, we did this math last week. If you make $70,000, you're in the 0.03% of the wealthiest people in the world. Now, we look at that and go, well, 70,000 doesn't mean anything to me. I can't, can't make it on 70. Why is that? Because we've fallen for the lie that the more we make, the more peace we'll have, the more joy we'll have, the more contentment we have. And it's a downright lie. Wealth is deceitful. So last week I started with this statement, and we're gonna build on this key thought every week. I said this God has blessed me with more than I need, I'm rich. God has blessed me with more than I need, I'm rich. But I wanna add to that today, and here's what we're gonna add. But I will not trust in riches, but in Him who richly provides. So God has blessed me with more than I need, I'm rich. We have to first admit that we're rich, we've been given some great things. We've been given some amazing things, no matter how young or old you are, young people living at home with their parents, if they make, if they make anywhere between uh, $3,000 to $4,000, they're very rich because normally they're not paying for anything else, but that's their money. It's a rich thing. It's not about how much you make, it's about what we're doing with what we make. So God is blessing me more, I need I'm rich, but I will not trust in what? I will not trust in the riches, but I will trust in him who richly provides. Understand this, Satan wants you to serve money. Jesus spoke more about money than any other subject. Second was heaven. Why did Jesus spend so much time talking about money? Because he wanted you to know the number one competitor of your soul, the number one competitor of your heart is going to be money. Money is gonna compete for your attention just like God wants your attention. Money will try to compete all the more. More overtime, more work, more money, bigger stack, more tickets, more tickets, more tickets, I gotta have more tickets. And uh, Matthew says this, it says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, God, he's not saying you can't have money. Now, understand this. This is where... This is where the distortion comes in. I want you to know today, God not only wants you to have money, he wants you to enjoy money. He wants to bless you with money. If you put God in a priority of your finances, he wants to give you more money. Because with more money, he knows he can trust you with it. And when he can trust you with more, he knows you're going to do more with it. But we think, if I hold on to more then i can't really give to god i can't really do more because i got to keep everything i get to come in to me for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil it says in first timothy 6:10 some people eager to get rich quick some people eager for that new house, some people eager for that new car. Someone eager for that that new uh, that those new clothes or those new shoes. Whoever they are, those that, that says eager, those who were eager for things, for carrots. It says they have wandered from their face and pierced themselves onto many griefs or turmoil or anxiety. I know what many of you are sitting there, and you're negotiating in your mind. You're thinking about You're going, well, Pastor Kevin, this is all fine. This is all great. I get it. Yeah, love of money. the roof, I've heard this. I don't love money. Money is what it is. I don't really have a need for it. I just kind of have to use it to get through in life. I'm not eager to get rich, and I don't really have to have a lot. My stack is okay if it's small. My tickets are few. It's okay. Well, here's... Here's a survey I want you to take today. Just go along with me. Write this down in your notes. Uh, People who love and trust money, here's the first trait of those who love and trust money. Number one, they never have enough. People who love and trust money never have money enough. It says this. It says Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Think about your own conversations in your house. If I just made more hourly wage, if I just had a bigger paycheck, if I just had more, then I'd find satisfaction. I see myself all through this. In my younger days, it was definitely more about what income I needed to make in order to help my family survive. And God had to do, I grew up in a very... um, My family spent money, had money, but they didn't spend their money. They spent the credit card's money or someone else's money. And I grew up with a different mentality than what I have as an adult because I learned the secret that I had to understand that money will never fully satisfy. So what does it do? The money makes these enormous lies, these boasts that cannot happen if you just had a bigger house. Then you'd be you'd be you'd be happy. You'd be you'd be you'd be, you'd have you'd have more peace. Uh, if you just had more cars, if you just had another newer car, if you just had the latest cell phone, if you just uh, just wanted to get more stuff, then you'd be satisfied. See, wealth is deceitful. You ask somebody how much money will it take to make you happy, and they'll all say a little more than what I have now just a little more than what I have now. Proverbs eighteen eleven says this, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. Wealth will say, you build it up, no one can touch you, but the fact is, wealth and riches lie. If my stack is larger, then I will have more peace in my life. So, those who love and trust money never have money enough. The second thought is this those who love and trust money have money in the bank, but no peace in their hearts. You ever been there? No peace in their hearts. See, money says if you just have a little bit more, then you'll be satisfied. And when you're satisfied, you'll settle down. And when you settle down, you'll have peace. I don't know about you, but it's not much peace when the credit cards are calling not much peace when they're knocking on your door saying we need a payment there's not much peace in your life if you have two cars sitting in the garage but no peace in your heart two cars that you're maxed out with making payments on for the next 7 years and you'll never have peace until that payment is gone here's what proverbs 15:16 says it says better a bmw Oh wait, no! Don't say that. It says, "It says better the latest smart TV." To say that, here I I I want to get everybody here. Better, ladies, twenty new pairs of shoes. I want to be equal opportunity offender here. It says better what? Better uh? Oh, we gotta say that better, people. We gotta say that better. Better what uh? With what? The fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a little than with great wealth. So many rich people uh, I see in life. Do you, you realize that the uh, American family today, you make more money? You make more money. Some of you make more money than, than I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expound here. We make more money as adults today than our parents Ever did. Compared to our grandparents, we make two times as much. And some of you, you make as much in one year than your grandparents may have made over several years, if not a decade. We have more money passed through our hands as adults today in America than ever in the history of the world. Do you realize that most of you, and I would say the majority, majority of you here, combined household income, you will have in the lifetime of you being married, you will have in your lifetime $1 million passed through your hands. Do the math on it. Do the math. You'll have a $1 million passed through your hands. We all are millionaires. It just takes our whole life to accumulate it. You say, well, you can't accumulate it because we have got to spend it. Yeah, I'm not saying it. What I'm saying is we are rich. It's not about not having enough. It's about what are we doing with what we've been giving. Because see, you can have a lot of money in the bank, but no peace in your heart. It deceives us. It lies to us. It tricks us. It says when you have X amount in the bank, you'll find security. But there's no security in this life Except our security in Christ Jesus. What I've learned about people who have more money, they have more things. They have more things to break down, they have more things to fix, they have more things to maintenance. I've learned today that uh, in this world, what's interesting, you know, you take the fact that we make more money today than our grandparents and our parents ever did, and yet, guess what? We have more stress and more anxiety and more frustration, and we feel more lost than they ever did in their worlds as well. Some of our grandparents and great-grandparents in this room lived through the greatest depression of this ever in history, and they came out of it, and they walked through debt-free in their life. Why? because they learned they would rather have peace in their heart than to charge and owe something to a slave owner out there. And that's really what it is. When we borrow from people, when we live on borrowed income, what we do is we actually, we're selling our soul to the person who owes the note to what we're paying for. Now, I know we don't like to think about that. We're like, well, that's, that's not a right analogy. No, that is the analogy. That's what Scripture says. It says that we are... We are slave to the person we borrowed the money from. And so we must understand that we've all have been given this amazing wealth, and what we do with it is very important. So those who love and trust money never have money enough. Those who love trust money have money in the bank with no peace in hearts. And number three, those who love and trust money find it increasingly difficult to give big. To give big. Why? Because they never think they have enough. I don't really have enough to give, I just can't do it. If I had more, I'd give more. If I had more, I'd give more. If I had a, a better car, then I, I wouldn't have to fix it as much. And if I had a newer car, I, I could get the, the maintenance warranty on it. And that maintenance warranty causes me great security. So I got to have that. Think about it. It deceives, it lies. Think about your own life. Just take a moment think about it. What have you bought in your life that you thought was going to be a lifesaver and it wound up being a literally noose around your neck? Like, I can't believe I got into this. I know of myself, it'd be cars I've bought. I've taken out loans for cars, and I've paid on them and paid on them, and I've looked back, and I go, wow, I could have done so much more than interest. I was just doing an an amortization thing for somebody about the 15-year versus the 30-year. And you know, I mean, it's it's discouraging when you see how much you're paying. Right, people? You're right about what you're paying in interest on a house? I mean, even if it's 5%, who cares? 5% for 30 years, bam, bam, they got you. You're paying double for that. Now I know what you're saying. You're saying, "Well, Pastor Kevin, how, how are we supposed to live if we don't borrow money? If we don't do it? I'm not telling you not to. What I'm saying is prioritize where your money flows to. Y'all going to hear me now. This is where this is where getting it's going to get good right now. You got to prioritize where your money flows. Why did Jesus talk about it? He said because he said the number one competitor for your heart will be your money, and it says where your treasure is, there your heart is. Also, if your, if your heart lies in this stuff, the tickets of life, guess what? It will leave you sad, depressed, anxious, and completely broken. But if your trust and your treasure lies in the one who reach, richly provides, I will not trust in riches, but I will trust in the one who richly provides, and he will take me and carry me through. He will watch over me. He will provide for me. One way that we do that here at the church is uh, through through the biblical, through what Malachi talks to us about is through what we call tithing. Tithing is 10% of your income returned back to the storehouse or to the church of God where ministry is done and ministry goes out. Some of you sitting here today, uh, you've been faithfully tithing for many, many years, even through very hard times. You've been tithing and honoring God no matter what you're going through, and you've watched God provide in miraculous ways. I could tell you stories. I could tell you personal stories, but I could tell you stories from other people's lives of how they put God first. They take their, their, they take their money, and they, they take their income, and they take 10%, and they put it aside and say, God, listen, this is yours. This isn't mine. I could, I could take it. I realize that, God, I could take it, but if I take it, I... I, I actually stopped the blessing that you could do in my life because I have not honored you in my tickets. So God, I'm going to honor you with my tickets. I've taken 10%, and I believe that you're going to do more with the 90 I have left than I have in the 10 I'm giving back to you. I'm returning to you. I'm not giving. I'm returning it back to you, God. Thank you. Thank you for blessing me with $1,000. you realize, statistically, it's interesting, Rich people, people who have more wealth, actually give lot, a lot less than people who have very little. People who make less money actually give more. Statistically, now there are those people that, uh, that God uses. They, he blesses them with great wealth, and they give a great wealth back, and that is how God wants to use it. But statistically, people who make less give and are more generous and more faithful in their tithe back to the church. It's, just, it's statistically correct. So here's why. Think about this. If if I make $100, I can take $10 and return to God. It's $10. What can you really do with $10? I'm just going to go ahead and give that, give $10 back to God. But man, if I make $10,000 and I take $1,000 of the $10,000 and I give it back to God, I'm thinking, I could do a lot with $1,000. I could do a lot with $1,000. Well, now multiply that. What if you made $100,000 and you returned $10,000 back to God? You're saying, I can do a lot of good with 10 dollars Here's what I'll tell you. You could do a lot of good with ten, but you can never do as good as God does with 10000 and what God will do with your ninety left over. He will do so much more. So much more. You say, Pastor Kevin, are you just preaching because the church needs your money? No, church doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. It's not about money. It's about the heart. Are you all hearing me today? I know this is hard preaching. But this is good preaching. This is stuff that will save your financial future. Young people, if you get this in you, it will change your life. Young people, hear me. Tithing is one of the most crucial things financially you can do because when you honor God, God says this. He says, here's how it goes. God says, oh, see that one? They're trusting me with their finances And i'm going to bless them in ways they can never imagine now it's not always monetary god doesn't always do monetary when michelle and i we've been tithers and givers our whole entire life i i I remember i really didn't start biblical tithing until i was 18 years old going to church no one my parents always did it but we really didn't ever really talk about it in a deep sincere kind of a a devotional way and so I knew my parents were givers, but I didn't really understand it myself. And at age 18, I started tithing. I started honoring God. And I remember the first time I did. I'm going to tell you an inside story. It's not even my notes. This is something free for you today. Um, I remember the first time I did, I cut a check. And uh, I had a good friend who was a youth pastor at the church. And I remember taking the check up to him, you know. I took the check to him. Say, here's my tithe check, uh, pastor. There you go. He looked at me and said, what am I going to do with that? I said, well, I just, you know, I want you, I, I want you to, you know, know I'm tied. He's like, I could care less. He said, go put it in that box over there and, and, and you're done. I mean, he like, I was like, well, i would tear it up and take it from me. Now. I don't get it, you know, but I remember I went and put it in. God taught me a great lesson today. He said, hey, don't let your right hand know what your left hand does. My kids, my wife, and, and, you know, we don't, we don't tell each other when we tithe and we give. We just do it out of the generosity of our heart. We do it out of the fact that it's the right thing to do, and so Tithing is one of the most crucial things. And through my life, uh, here's how God provided. God did provide financially, totally financially. But here's what God did. God provided me to not be so materialistic, to wear clothes until the fibers literally fall out of them and they're screaming to stay together, to, and they're out of style, um, to, to uh, drive cars that are old, that I work on, YouTube is amazing. I love YouTube. Man, I fix so much stuff with YouTube. And I have my good friend Kevin who has this shop down here in town. And uh, they, thank God, he has a good mechanic that can bail me out when I get in over my head. Thank you, Jesus. Good mechanics. (laughs) But I I remember just throughout the years, I I just feel like God gave us health. We didn't have health insurance until, uh, (laughs) well, seven, eight years ago. We didn't have health insurance, and uh, we prayed, "Don't get sick." My wife, just whenever she needed it, we had health insurance at different points in our lives. Whenever she needed it, to be able to take over, it's how God provides. Always trusting, always putting him. And here's the thing: I will not trust. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich, but I will not trust in those riches. I will trust in the one who richly provides. Paul said this to a group of people that were poor. Now listen, when I say poor, I'm not talking to to us. I'm not talking to people who watch direct TV and have cell phones and you have technology and you're gonna go home today and you're gonna have lunch. These are poor people and here's what Paul said. They gave him a gift. They gave him some tickets, Paul, as he was traveling around. And here's what he said to them. He said, out of your most severe trial, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up in what? Rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able to and even beyond their ability, they gave. Why? Because they knew there was so much more they would gain from being generous. See, Satan wants to say, give when. Give when the student loans are paid off. Give when the car is paid off, give when the house is paid off, give when you're out of debt, give when you get a raise, give when you get more money, give when your financial status is complete. God doesn't say give when, God says give now, because now I want to see that you trust me with your finances. There's a story of a woman in my life personally, and there's a story in the Bible about a woman, this woman too, named Esther. But this was my good friend, Esther, from Blyville, Arkansas, one of our first churches out of Bible College that we had the chance to serve at. Esther was a, uh, was a fluffy, joyous, Latino woman who, who loved to make food. She was an amazing cook. She made some of the best food you're ever going to have. And she, While our time was uh, serving at this church in Arkansas, um, Esther... Uh, went through lots of very difficult seasons. In fact, went through a season where uh, she lost her husband. Very young age. It was a very weird thing that took place. He had a heart he had heart failure, and uh, we lived in a very obscure place. And he came to the hospital, helicopter him fast enough, and uh, and so he wound up losing his life. And Esther had a had a teenage boy that was in my youth ministry over there, and you know we reached out and we we, we did our best to kind of help him through it. And they, they lived in very a trailer that was rough and run down and very poverty. When you talk about poor, I would say, in all my words, Esther was poor. Um, Esther didn't have anything, really. But Esther, um, there was this organization that we sponsored through that church known as Speed the Light. And what Speed the Light does is it's a, it's a youth organization that raises money for missionaries to get cars, and sound systems that's all they do they raise money and they send sound systems to third world countries and missionaries around the world and cars to get them from point a to point b esther had this drive in her heart that she didn't have much she was very poor but she could cook and she cooked well and so she said here's what i want to do pastor kevin i want to take this next year and i'm going to buy all the food that i can and we're going to run meals on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, breakfasts and dinners, and, and on Wednesday nights and breakfast on Sunday mornings, and we're going to charge, we're going to have people pay for it, and every dollar that comes in, we're going to give to speed the light. She said, because I want to buy a car for a missionary somewhere around the world. Now, being very real with you, I said to her face, that is amazing. That is a great idea. Esther, if anybody can do it, You can. And inside I'm going, ain't no way it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know how she's going to do this. How could she even afford to buy all this food? And so we started running the fundraiser. We started running all these meals that went on and on Wednesday night and Sunday mornings and started having all this come in. And and, and through a year's time, slowly, her stack started getting bigger. Every dollar started to come in. Get halfway through the year, she's about She's about three or $4,000 dollars in. Her goal was 13000 Halfway through, she's at, at three or $4,000. i am going, she still feels like, it's gonna happen. I just believe it's gonna happen. She started to have this passion inside of her. She started to have this drive that became contagious inside of our church. People started to show up to these meals. I mean, full, filled the whole, the, whole, the whole place that our fellowship hall, we had, it was filled side wall to wall. People were coming in from the community. They were giving in to speed the light, to help Esther raise a car for some missionary around the world. And she's buying all the food. She's not taking a single dime from it. She's putting everything back in. And I'm just kind of watching this happen. It's like one of those moments where you just sit back and you go, God, you're proving me wrong. (laughs) You're proving me wrong again, God. It comes to the end of the year. And Esther raised not 13,000, but $15,000 for a car, it's some person. He's, she's never going to meet this side of heaven. She's never going to know who it goes to. And and we brought Esther up, or whenever the, all the, the big check thing, you know, we brought Esther up. And she told her story, and she stood up there, and she just wept with tears, thanking the community. She didn't even take credit, so she said, thank you. Thank you for believing. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for giving. Thank you for coming. If you don't know what it means that I in my husband's legacy that I'm able to help someone else share the gospel around the world. See, we all have something we can do. Whether you make 10 or 20 or 50 or 100,000, it doesn't matter. We all can give. The problem is, we oftentimes hold back from giving big because we believe the lie that the tickets for us. Father help us today to be able to evaluate our own lives. Lord it's really easy, it's really easy to fall for the lie that it's all for us. It's really easy for us to think that we've made it, we've earned it, so we get to keep it. God you don't ask for much, you just ask for ten. 10% 10% to come back to you because you are a way maker you're a provider you do impossible things with the resources that we give back to you and even though God you asked us for 10 you bless us with 90 And the 90 you bless us with touches many hearts around the world
1: you Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here in touching.
0: only one that provides so we're not going to trust in our riches but in him who richly and forever provides there is none like you because you are a way maker so God today whatever we're struggling with whatever it is that holds us back we give it to you now we trust in the way maker The light in the darkness, because that's who you are. Sing it again.
1: Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness.
0: Who you are? Today, if you need a miracle from God, would you just lift your hands up? God, you are a way maker, promise keeper, everlasting one who shines light in the darkness. God, for every hand that is raised, God, touch them, strengthen them, let them keep their eyes upon you. God, let them not be deceived by the wealth the riches around them, but let them trust in the one who richly provides. You're a good God, because that is who you are. You're a good God. So, Lord, I pray that you just continue to speak into our hearts. Let us know that you are a way maker in all areas of our life. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence, God. And everybody said amen.
1: amen. You have been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa, with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.